0: Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy God, we love you, and we praise you and thank you that you have given us the gift of life. You've given us the gift of the call to follow you in holiness. Lord, help us to be holy. Help us to always fall in the measure of holiness that you ask of us. Help us to be willing to follow you, Lord, even into humbling places. Lord, help us to remember how short our life is and to live in a way that's worthy of the call that we've received. Now, I ask, Lord, that you'd bless and encourage those who are listening to this program. I ask that you would give them encouragement, you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you'd be encouraged. I want you to know the love of the Lord in a way that's more personal than you've ever known. I want you to be uh, assisted, supported in your own path to becoming the saint that God intends you to be. So Lord, please use this program. May it be a blessing. Lord, help me to be getting out of the way. Please, Lord, help me to be getting out of the way. Help me to be out of the way. (laughs) Lord, in Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, I had an embarrassing... A uh, prayer that I I prayed today. Uh, this is I'm recording this on Tuesday, and had a meeting um, with a, a church leader, and we were talking about uh, how do we help advance the mission of uh, his organization, and I was sharing some insights and some thoughts, and I could tell that part of what I was saying. There was a bit of an edge to it, um, and, and the edge was a kind of self-importance, uh, sort of an overinflation of my own importance. And at the end of the meeting, he said, hey, when we end, why don't, let's let's just end in prayer. Why don't you lead us in a prayer? And I, as I blessed myself, and I was about to start the prayer, I felt this conviction that I was to humble myself in the prayer itself that I was to repent of any self-importance or arrogance or um, any, any way that I was departing from a place of humility and of elevating the work of God over myself anyways that I wasn't doing that sorry and and boy that let me tell you that was not fun it wasn't easy but I have (laughs) I've had to do that before and I don't know I just felt like I just didn't have a choice and I know I did. Of course, I had a choice. I could have resisted the prompting that I had inside of me. And here's the thing. I, I had the clarity to know that the prompting was from the Lord. I did. I, I, I knew it wasn't me because it was completely counter to my own inclination. Like, why would I want to pray a prayer that was frankly embarrassing? It was, it was a bit humiliating, like, why would i why would I want to jump into that kind of prayer? So when I felt the prompting to pray that prayer i I, I come face to face with the you know the very simple decision. if I discern in fact, if it's if it's not the discernment that's off, then it's just a matter of the obedience <laughs> right? Discern and obey, listen and follow. so if if my listening was on, if I I did, in fact, hear what the Lord was asking of me, then it was just a matter of following. Who's Lord? You know, Tom, come on. Who is Lord? And and if the Lord is asking you, Tom, me, to pray a prayer where I humble myself before the very guy that I was talking to, humble myself and basically confess to this self-importance and arrogance and overinflation and uh, a lack of Uh, being humble and a lack of acknowledging that it's the Lord who is the one who brings about any authentic fruit, right? Then, then who am I? Like, what kind of life am I really living anyways? So I did, I prayed, I prayed that prayer and it was, you know, he was more the, the guy that was with me in the meeting he was more really on the sidelines. I wasn't praying it for his benefit. I was praying it to the Lord. I was praying it because he asked me to pray it, and I was, I was focused on the Lord. I, <laughs> I wasn't secretly focused on, hey, I wonder if this guy is noticing how humble I am. <laughs> that was not what I was doing. Okay, uh, and you know it's funny. It just reminds me. A couple of days ago, I was praying the Rosary on Facebook. I'm praying the rosary on Facebook. I want to say every morning at six in the morning, but during this vacation week where my kids are not getting up for school, I, well, I, I didn't pray till last night uh, on Tuesday. On Monday, I, I started at like closer to 6.30 in the morning because I didn't have to quite get up quite as early. Uh, and, and I'm feeling just a little bit dragged down by the flu, I don't know how many of you guys are feeling a little bit of that flu that's going around, the seasonal thing. I think that's what it is, but uh, just it's kind of been working its way through the house, and I, I don't want to be sick for Thanksgiving, and so I gave myself a little bit extra sleep. Right. Anyways, um, the on Monday when I was praying the Rosary on Facebook again, the way I pray the Rosary on Facebook live. And I'd love to have you there. I'd love to have you join me there. There's something very powerful about praying with other people from around the world and praying the rosary. And it gives you a sense of connection to brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, not just those physically with you, like when you pray a rosary with someone else in the room with you or at the church. There's something really powerful about the idea that the internet can be used as a platform to bring together people from around the world to be praying together. People I'll never see on earth, but hopefully see together in heaven. And we'll look back in those moments and saying, Look what God did with that net that we cast around the world, like the rosaries, like casting a net around the world of people praying together, along with the saints of heaven. And that's one of the powerful things that happens during these rosaries is we have this sensitivity to the saints of heaven are with us, praying with us, praying for us, bringing us to the Lord, bringing our intentions to the Lord, and especially, of course, our Blessed Mother. And so you have that amazing, uh, or The gift, one of the gifts and graces that seems to flow in these rosaries is a very tangible sense of the Lord's presence connecting the body of Christ on earth and the communion, joining in that communion of saints with the saints in heaven in this beautiful act of praise and thanks and also petitioning and interceding that's going on. Well, during the prayer on Monday, I had this sense, because what happens is, is I pray a couple Hail Marys and then I'll look at the comments That are being placed on uh, on the live rosary, will will they leave an intention or a prayer request, and I'll pray for that person and that person's request live. And I had this sense. Sometimes the Lord will give me a sense, like in in some kind of sensitivity that says, "Pray for this situation. Pray for this condition." Pray for people, and and it's not so much a comment, but it's just sort of coming forth from the moment. Well, on Monday there was this time where I felt this sense of, Tom, just be still. I'm ministering right now. Just be still. Don't pray. Don't say a Hail Mary. Don't fill the gap of sil- with uh, that that is silence because I am at work. Allow me to be at work, and I will prompt you when I am permitting you, where I am gracing you to continue to speak. Now, I want you to think about if I ever did that like on the radio and there was just this gap of silence, it becomes pretty loud, right? If I stopped talking, even for, for three or four seconds, you'd, you'd kind of be grabbed by it and saying, what's going on? Well, in a moment of live prayer, you can see me. And, and if I all of a sudden finish a Hail Mary and then I just stop, I just, and I, I think I announced it. I said, I believe the Lord is ministering to us right now in silence. I have the sense that I'm supposed to just be here in silence and just allow the Lord to minister to you. And let me tell you, it felt like an eternity. It was probably 20 or 30 seconds maybe even a little longer and having that kind of empty space on a live stream is in in normal circumstances a recipe for just losing everybody <laughs> people are going to be like what's going on here especially anybody that comes on live if they connect live during that time of silence they're going to connect on they're going to see me sitting there with my eyes closed <laughs> And then they'll just drop off, is what I presume. But I, again, this is about, did you discern correctly? And then did you obey what you discerned? Because that's the path of discipleship. That's the path of growing in holiness. And what I sensed inside of me in the silence was the Lord saying to me, the longer that you're silent, the more I'm going to bless you. Uh, you stay in silence until I prompt you. and if you if you're willing to trust me, stay in silence. I'll prompt you and uh, when it's time to move forward. and the longer you're willing to stay here, until you await that prompting, the more I'm going to be blessing you. And my sense was in this rosary, in, in in that moment. And that was that was a tug. That was like a, a competing set of desires. It was a competing set of desires. And I had to resist, resist, resist the desire to start talking, to explain, to continue praying, to say the next Hail Mary, to say someone's comment, to like take some other kind of action. But I stayed. Now, did I stay until I reached the very end for sure of when I was supposed to be staying? And I can't say that for sure. I don't feel like I had some kind of like breakthrough insight when I finally launched back into praying. But I will say, I felt like I was at least in the range, <laughs> in the range of when the Lord was saying, okay, continue. I did sense that, okay, I was in, at least in that range. Okay, now I bring up these two stories because of Thomas Aquinas, okay? Thomas Aquinas. And when he describes this reality of growth and holiness, he talks about two types of appetites, two types of desires that live within us as human beings. And these two types of desires indicate or point to the type of experience that, well, I just gave you two examples of when I was praying At the end of my meeting and when i was praying on facebook but this is this is actually frankly something that goes much more broadly than when you're in prayer but but it also applies to prayer and it has to do with these two desires the two appetites are called the concupiscible appetite or desire and the irascible appetite or desire and so these are both desires that we'll experience now the concupiscible desire or appetite is when we're pulled towards something because of the experience of satisfaction or joy or happiness or fulfillment that comes from the the object of the desire, right? So that's a very natural one, and we 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 get that, right? We're drawn to hang out as a family, and we did last night and watched uh, two nights ago, and we watched It's a Wonderful Life, right? We were drawn to that, and it's like, let's go do that, and the kids were excited, and we sat there on the couch, and, and the kids enjoyed it. That's the concupiscible desire. But there's another kind of desire, and that's the irascible desire or appetite, and that's when we're drawn to something despite the fact that there is a difficulty, that there is a trial that there is even a suffering that there is a uh, like a darkness that we have to press through and and we're still drawn to go in that direction even though we face the the resistance the difficulty the the even the suffering we'll pick up on this in a minute hi this is dr tom curran and you know me as the host of sound insight i am also letting folks know that Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. If you enjoy these programs, would you do me a favor? I would love to get these programs to be known about and heard far and wide. Now, you listen to them on the radio, but you can also hear them on a podcast. I hear too many times people say, I used to listen to you on the radio, but I don't go to work at that time anymore. And I'm like, you do realize that they're posted online and you can listen to them Anytime, day or night, do you have a smartphone? You can hear them. (laughs) So you can hear them on MyCatholicFaith.org. You can hear them by going to Apple Podcasts. And either way, you can get to Apple Podcasts. They're also on Spotify. But wherever you listen to the program, if you would do me a huge favor and go to to Apple Podcasts and look up the Dr. Tom Curran Show or the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast— And if you do, you can give it a rating. I would love a five star rating rating, and a review. And if you do that, it is going to um, be signaling to Apple hey, this podcast is worth making more visible and making it more recommended to other folks who are listening to podcasts. So it would be a big help to me. I would very much appreciate it. Also, I'm producing a lot of content these days. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you have the opportunity to sign up for our weekly email blast. And in that email blast, we will send you links to all of the talks that I'm doing on a weekly basis. So that's interviews that you hear here on the program, not only on audio, but also the video versions of them, talks that I'm giving outside of the uh, radio program during the prayer series that I just finished at St. Mary's. And if you do that now, um, we are giving away the Parenting the Digital Generation series. That's that series of crucial talks, really, really critical talks to help parents navigate the incredibly dangerous waters of the internet, of connected devices. How do you raise your kids, your tweens and your teens, and as the kids even get older, to help them not fall into the toxic swamp and the minefields that are all around them on the internet? What do I do? I've produced a number of talks just recently at uh, St. Mary's, and we have them on audio, video, and we have it's something like 80 PowerPoint slides with a ton of gold, a ton of crucial information to help you raise your kids. Now, if you've got grandkids, you've got your kids that are trying to raise their kids, get access to this stuff. You can get it for, yes, indeed, free. It's free. Not that it's not valuable, but I don't want money to stop anybody from accessing this stuff. It's a four-alarm fire. Is that like the worst kind? Yeah, it's like everyone get out and play a part in dealing with what's going on. So uh, go to MyCatholicFaith.org. Just all you have to do is just sign up for the newsletter, and you'll get in there a uh, the ability to access and download the Parenting the Digital Generation. All right, there you go. Hopefully, that is something that is going to be drawing you because of your concupiscible desire. (laughs) It'll light a fire in you so that you will, in fact, want to go to mycatholicfaith.org, fill in the form, and then you'll get access to those resources. And if that isn't enough, then you can always do it because of your irascible desire. If you're an irascible person and you only do it with great difficulty and reluctance, you can still do it. There's some goods that will come from it. So I bring up the concupiscible desire and the irascible desire for a reason. Again, it's not just that these are two random insights that St. Thomas Aquinas has into our lives as human beings. But they are critical to understand if you are going to fulfill the call of God in your life. I just said a really big claim, didn't I? You will fulfill the call that you have from God. In part, if you can understand the dynamic that holds you back, that holds me back from fulfilling God's call in our lives. And that is, we're not always drawn to the thing that we ought to be doing. We're not always attracted by that line of thought that we ought to be pursuing. We're not always running away from those things that we ought to find as uh, repulsive and disgusting. No, we, unfortunately, as fallen human beings who do struggle with sin, we will find that it's not always easy to be drawn to the good. So I believe that we are actually heading into a moment in the life of the church, and, and this is, I think, a fitting day to talk about it as we get close to the end of the liturgical year, a time where the Lord is waking us up, if that makes if that makes any sense. I, I'm going to use that, that uh, metaphor or analogy of waking up, that the Lord is like an alarm clock, and... And an alarm clock, when it's doing its job well, it's going to wake us up. However, let me just say that there are very few times when an alarm clock is an expression of a concupiscible desire. (laughs) We're not saying, yes, thank you, alarm clock. I am so excited. I'm so drawn to your alarm that you're setting off in my ear next to my bed to get me Awakened out of the slumber. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. So I mentioned praying at six in the morning. I'm getting up at five fifteen. Well, no, that's the first alarm. And then the second alarm is five eighteen and then five twenty-one and then five twenty four. So there there you go. There's a little disclosure. <laughs> and the first one, oh, it's jarring. Is disturbing. The second one is worse. The third one, I've kind of surrendered a bit. By the fourth one, okay, I'm getting up. But here's the thing. Is the that alarm that is there getting me up, shaking me out of sleep, not letting me fall back into sleep, and just when I think I was too tired that that alarm didn't work and the next one comes, I finally surrender and get up? What's the good that is coming from it? Well, the good that's coming from it is guess what? I am getting up to get ready to go pray on Facebook live, the rosary with, I don't know, there's like something like 1,400 folks a day that are touching that rosary, that live praying of the rosary. And thank you, Lord. Thank God, right? That, what am I saying? Thank God for the alarm clock right? Thank God for the alarm clock ministry. It's bothersome, right? We we try to shut it off, try to ignore it. And I just to say, I think that the Lord, He wants to wake us up in parts of our lives where we have fallen asleep. Parts of our lives where we have settled for less. So, when you think about your life, this is that season of the year, the, in the liturgical season, we just celebrated Christ the King, right? Uh, the Solemnity of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, last Sunday. You've heard uh, Father Nagel and, and, and I, you've heard Father Nagel and me talk about it on Monday. You heard Father Meneses Last week, with his book on the four last things, and he was also a guest on yesterday, uh, talking about fight the good fight, right? Uh, So, what about what about us? Are we are we pondering the the last things, this death, judgment, heaven, and hell, that one day our lives are going to be judged? And I'm not sure I, I had much of a chance to really focus on. The Four Last Things, this particular liturgical season. In the month of November, the way I normally would do on my own programs, uh, it's been a blessing to have a lot of guests and and lots of other uh, uh, content and talks to share with you. But I figured today, the day before Thanksgiving, and again, the day of Thanksgiving will be a wonderful day to reflect on uh the just that gift of gratitude and, and how what to be grateful for, right? So many things. And then you know the next day, Black Friday is well, that's a day too. I think where lots and lots and lots of folks are focused on shopping. And so uh looking for the deal, looking for the deal. But I don't want to be distracted. I, I want to be a little bit of a an irascible desire for you today. A little bit of an irritant, a little bit of a well, a little bit of an alarm clock, that you at least don't get to say nobody told me. I didn't get to hear this message from anybody. Well, what message are we talking about? Well, at the end of our lives, we are going to come face to face with the Lord, and my goal is that when I get to the end of my life, whenever that is, Lord, I want to be ready. Not only, it's not just about being saved and getting to heaven. Yes, yes, that is, of course, the ultimate goal. But my focus is on wanting to have lived a life that was worthy of the calling that I received. To quote the scripture of St. Paul, and even hone in more specifically that my life would have been as fully poured out in honoring and glorifying the Lord at every moment of my life, every hour, every day. Lord, I am honoring and glorifying you. Okay, great. Let's focus in even more. Uh, you know, that let, let our lives be, like, why did God create the world? He created the world to manifest and communicate his glory to the beings he has created, and specifically to us human beings whom he not only called into existence, but elevated into the status of children of God. That I want to reach the end of my life And have Jesus look at me and be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. That the life I lived is the life that he intended me to live. I became who he intended me to become and I did what it was he intended me to do. That's what I want. Okay? Let's narrow that down even more because I keep, I'm, I'm trying to like rework this in your mind with me again and again, like let's narrow it down. You know, do those desires live in you? Those things that I just shared with you, God, I want to live a noble life, a worthy life, not, not a life, not a life that's marked by the things that the world wants me to prioritize. The world wants me to prioritize influence, power, fame, Money. Stuff, comfort, ease, prestige in in human and measurable ways. Those are the things that the world is saying, go after those things, pursue those things, value those things, measure others based on those things. Consider your own importance because of those things or insofar as those things are connected to your life. That is a fool's errand. It is a fool's pursuit. Because it's locking us in our hearts and our minds, our thoughts, our affections, our attention, on things that will pass. They're going to just dissolve away. Right? Jesus, he tells us about this, but somehow it's not irritating enough. It's not an alarm to us. Jesus said, you cannot, you cannot have your heart set on the things of this world and the things of God. You you will love one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, mammon, wealth, and all the stuff, the trappings that come connected to wealth, right? Where is your heart? For where your heart is, everything else will follow. And he was like, where do you put your treasure? Don't put your treasure in the things of the earth where robbers break in and steal, where moths will destroy and rust will cause to to, to just dissolve away. No, set your heart and make your treasure the things that will endure beyond this world, the things that will endure forever, the things that will amplify, the things that will magnify how you will live forever. Why don't we get this right? How do we miss this? Why do we settle for like just giving our time and attention and energy over to things that just pass? It's a it's a sadness and we need a wake up call. Okay, let's let's dig in further. I'm not done. I'm not done because the Lord is calling us. If we're going to live that life that glorifies him, if we're going to live that life that that is going to receive the well-done, good and faithful servant, come and enjoy your master's reward, if we're going to live that life that glorifies the Lord, that that is worthy of the calling that we've received, we bring it down to two things. Two fundamental concepts. Your identity is you're called to be a saint, and your purpose is to fulfill your God-given mission. What is your God-given mission? It's to proclaim Christ. It's to proclaim Christ with all that you are, all that you have. It's to evangelize. It's to bring the good news of salvation to the world in the way that God intends you to do it, which is different than the way that God intends me to do it. We each going to have our own, like, like uh, facet or 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 blending together of the different elements of that call to evangelize. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about being that saint, fulfilling your God-given mission, as I today. I'm attempting to be an alarm clock. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. We are in the last week of the liturgical year. We just had the Feast of Christ the King. This upcoming Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. It's the liturgical new year. That means it's an opportunity for you and for me to start afresh, to get a new beginning, a fresh start. Well, before we get there, one way to enter into that new beginning and a fresh start in a good way is to reflect on the final, the end of things. Where are we headed? What's this all about? And just before the break, I was talking about being a little bit of an alarm clock uh, to make us a little bit more awake, to wake up to the fact that God planted us in this moment in history to become a saint to fulfill our God-given mission. Our God-given mission is to continue the work of Jesus Christ, who came among us as Redeemer as the one who sets free, as the one who sets free ultimately from sin and the consequences of sin, death and separation from God forever. That's the biggest thing that threatens our lives, not a sickness, not losing a job, not being, not lacking the things that this world pursues with such intensity, power, fame, security, uh, comfort, the things of this world. No, the biggest threat to our lives is what happens to us beyond this life it's our forever and we have a call and a mission to spread the good news the good news that jesus christ loves them loves our brothers and sisters he he loves he he loves every single human being that he has created and he died for so that people could be set free and he said in john chapter 4 his his nourishment is to do the will of the father and he said that uh, open your eyes and see that the harvest is ripe there's a an abundant harvest and pray that the lord of the harvest would send out laborers for the harvest for the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few do you like to labor do you like to 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 work hard well we like to work hard on things that we like? Well, we get to that irascible appetite again. <laughs> we get to that, those irascible desires that we have to press through the difficulty, the resistance, the struggle that we will face in order to accomplish the good thing. Not just the good thing, the necessary thing. The, the, the thing for which we were created, you and I, if you're listening to this program, you're almost assuredly a Catholic Christian believer in Jesus Christ. You're almost, almost, almost assuredly a Christian follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's true, then we have a have been given an incredible blessing, an incredible gift we have God's grace at work in our lives, the power of God at work in our lives. Not only that, but we have been recreated into children of God. His holy spirit is at work in our lives. Do you have any idea the access that gives you to a source of transformative power? That that the do you have any appreciation for the gift that that has given to you to be able to access forgiveness, to to access a fresh start, to access peace in the midst of very troubling times. The ability to call upon a good and loving father. A good and loving father. Do not live in fear, little flock. It has pleased the father to give you the kingdom. Do not live in fear, little flock. It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. And so, do we realize that? Do you realize that you have been privileged, chosen to receive an outpouring of the Father's good pleasure— God the father who created the entire universe and willed that you would be born into it would be, would will you to exist in this moment in this place in this time and if you're if you're hearing my voice here most of you are living in pretty comfortable places relatively speaking to the rest of the world i want to say the majority of those listening to me are in the top 5 or 10% of the world, the world's population that's currently existing, in terms of the comforts, the security, the prosperity, the political freedom that you experience in this world. And I I remember there was this uh, representative, this member of the House of Representatives, who went on a hunger strike and he wrote a book about poverty and he did, he went on a hunger strike to to draw attention to the uh various forms of poverty that were existing in the world and uh after it was something like 35 days uh, the uh the, the congress finally like passed a bill and and got him the funding that he was wanting for some program i i'm kind of butchering the story a little bit but in his book, he talks about the poverty of, uh, of food and how a billion people, now it's more than that, go to bed hungry every night. Do you ever go to bed hungry? Really? Uh, uh, not, not by choice, like I'm on a diet and I'm choosing to not eat a lot, but out of scarcity. I don't have access to food and I don't have access to the means of getting more food. How many of those folks listening to my voice are in that circumstance? Not a lot. Not a lot. But around the world, it's more than one in eight. Let's say it's one in eight, right? One in eight people. So that's, what, almost 13% of the world's population are going to bed hungry, with, with hunger pains in their stomach because they don't have enough nourishment. The second is for the poverty of opportunity to get the basic necessities of life for themselves and those they love. A place to live, a job to have, and you know, the, basic, the, the basic necessities of life. I have a, I have a sense of security, I have a sense of provision, you know, I feel there's a sense of protection, and I can guide my family forward towards uh, a better tomorrow. And the last one was the, the poverty of political choice, of political freedoms, and how billions of people live under oppressive regimes. So you stop and you think, what's the answer for all of this? It's just too much, right? Isn't it just too much? And while you can't, you can't address all of it, that doesn't mean you're not called to address part of it. How much and in what ways? That's something that you and I better figure out because we will be held to account. To whom much has been given, much will be expected. To whom much is given, much will be required. And you and I, we've been given much, my brothers and sisters. We have been given much. And so much will be required of us. And so it's worthy of our thought and reflection to ponder, Lord, am I being a good steward? Am I being the laborer in the harvest that you have for me? So think about the the gift that you've been given. Right? Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. And tomorrow is a, a time where many gather together with families, with their own family. And that's not always an easy thing, right? Talk about the irascible appetite. <laughs> you'll, you'll have an appetite in the midst of some irascible people, uh, people that are difficult to be with. And and you know what it can be an opportunity for you to shine the light of Christ even if we just step back from that though let's just step back from that because i know that that's a minefield right for many families the idea of oh no here we go again kind of conversations okay fine let's let's put that on hold then and let's say that even if you simply say lord i won't bring it up i won't even respond unless i'm confident that you in fact, are inviting me to share or to give testimony or to invite someone to step forward, and then I'll do it in my own family. But beyond that, do you approach your every day as someone who has been planted in this moment and in being planted in this moment have been given the the grace, the strength to fulfill God's call in bringing Jesus Christ into someone's life? bringing the message of Jesus Christ into uh, in, into someone, before someone who's facing a difficult time, who's facing a broken moment, who's facing a difficult circumstance. That's the blessing that you have. Back in a minute with more Sign Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Okay, so I want to, in this part of the program, focus in on where do we get the source of urgency or passion or, or that longing? Like, where do we come to find a source of, of energy to go and share Jesus Christ with others in, in whatever way, whatever way that God wants, right? And that might mean being more generous in giving financially It might be more generous in giving your time to different ministry opportunities. It might mean sharing more openly about your faith. It might mean standing up, speaking back, speaking out and pushing back against uh, current positions that are politically correct or woke that are damaging people's lives. Like, uh, what I don't want you to come away with in this program is, oh, I feel bad because I'm not trying hard enough. Now I just feel discouraged that I just need to try harder. And that's not that's not where, we we're not going to get woken up. We're not going to hear the alarm clock of God that will wake us up out of our slumber, out of our lethargy when it comes to proclaiming Christ by just trying harder. That's just a recipe for exhaustion and discouragement. And it doesn't work. I've been doing church work now for 34 years. So what is the source of a compelling desire to live for Christ, to proclaim Jesus Christ as my burning passion? And just to say, yes, Jesus, whatever you want from me, I say yes in advance, lead me, Lord, I will follow you. Where does that come from? What's the source of that? And the answer is the heart of God. It's the heart of Jesus. And here's, just let me give it to you in a quote from Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. The love of Christ impels us. The love of Christ impels us. And when you hear, and and then he goes on to talk about, impels us to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to proclaim Christ. It's the love of Christ that impels Paul. Now, is the love of Christ the love that St. Paul has for Christ It's the love of Christ, the love of St. Paul, the love that St. Paul has for Christ that impels him to be an ambassador for Christ. Or is it the love that Christ has for me and for you impels me to be an ambassador of Christ? And you've listened long enough to know the answer is yes. The answer is yes. That the love of Christ that impels Paul, that is this like dynamic drive and energy that moves him beyond lethargy, the energy that moves him beyond apathy, is the burning passion of charity. It's God's infused love. And the first dimension, the first like, side of the coin of that love is the love that Jesus has for St. Paul. It's the personal, intimate, profound, and life-giving, setting-on-fire love. It's the setting-on-fire love that Jesus Christ has for him. When he receives that tidal wave of love, when he receives that infusion of love, when he is Uh, this open, empty vessel that is filled to overflowing with the love that God personally takes in him, the pleasure that God takes in loving him and filling him to overflowing, it first of all leads to reciprocation. It leads to reciprocity. It leads to a response back to God in love. The love by which the Lord loves us first is responded to by our loving him back. We love him in return. The reason why we are not awake as a church, the reason why we are not more evangelistic as a church, the reason why we don't stand up, speak out, and push back, the reason why we are lethargic and our churches are not full is that we have not received the love of God. We talk all, we could talk about it all day long. God is a God of uh, unconditional love, infinite love. God will always love you. He loves you as if there was only one of you. Jesus would die for you if you were the only one. You can use, throw around all of this wonderful information and poster, like memes and phrases for posters and manners. But until you know that encounter where Jesus, you sense, you know it. He's looking you in the eyes. He's opened his heart to you. And he pours forth that love towards you. He stirs it into flame within you. The Holy Spirit, who is loving God, gets released within you until you know that love. You have no clue about what Paul means when he says, the love of Jesus Christ impels me. And so that's the first that's the first reason why we are not awake is that we haven't been awakened by love by the personal intimate profound love of Jesus Christ for us. And then when we love him in return and we have that little circulation of love going think of playing catch the ball goes back and forth. Jesus throws the ball and the glove that we catch it with and we receive that love, and then we love him back. We throw the ball back in return. That circulation of love, that communion of love, that communion of persons that elevates us into the very divine life of God. You know what comes to be born in us is that union of hearts so that his heart now lives in our heart. And if his heart lives in ours, his heart, who's the infinite sacred heart, lives in our heart. All of a sudden, what he is passionate about comes to live in us and begins to cleanse our hearts of all that is unclean. He begins to expand our heart so that our heart is more filled with his love, and then as we're more filled with his love, all of a sudden we can't help but start loving what he loves, loving who he loves, loving to do what he wants us to do. The love of Christ impels us. It impels us with that call and that task to be ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ, God, as it were, speaking through us so says St. Paul. And God as it were, speaking through us because of the union we have with the living God, through Jesus Christ, by the gift of his Holy Spirit, living in our hearts. So, yeah, it's time for us to awaken, to awaken to the fact that one day we will be judged, and we'll be judged on love, so says St. John of the Cross. In the evening of life, we will be judged on love. The love that the Lord is pouring into our hearts. He's actually knocking on the door of our hearts, right? He's knocking on that door every day, every day, every day. He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, let me in, let me in. Let me love you. Let me pour my love into you. Let my love pull you out of yourself, drag you out of bed, drag you out of yourself and out of your pathetic, lethargic, apathetic existence, and let me set you on fire with my love. And as I set you on fire with my love, you will be fired up by that love to then bring me to others, because you will have been set free. You will have been cleansed. You will have been enlightened. You will have been elevated. You will begin to flourish. You will know peace. You will have a sense of meaning. You'll know what purpose is. You'll say, Oh my goodness, this is what my life is to be about. Oh yeah, there's other things too. I've got to pay the bills and I've got to take care of my family. And oh yeah, these other things are good. But no, I want to live for Christ. For me, life means Christ. Death is gain. And now I no longer live for myself, but for him who for my sake died and was raised. You see, St. Paul, he knew it because he knew him. He knew Jesus. And Jesus has that same breakthrough available for you, that breakthrough that he intends for you. He wants to break through in your today, in your right now, in your life here and now, before you break through the end of this life and you face him in judgment. No, he wants you to be set on fire for him. Let's do that today. Let's commit to that today. Let's say yes to that today. Jesus, please, in a new way, at a new depth, at a new dimension, at a new level, I say yes, Please, conquer in me all that resists you. Strip away from me all that's holding me back from having a more profound encounter with you. Jesus, change me. Set me on fire. Make me on fire with your love. Take my little tiny puny heart that is so broken and weak into the immensity of the furnace of love of your most sacred heart and there, set me on fire Give me a share of the burning passion of your heart for the salvation of souls. Use me and consume me for your glory, for the salvation of souls. Please, Jesus, whatever else happens in my life, just please do that. Amen. All right. Tomorrow, we have Thanksgiving coming up. I'm thankful for you, brothers and sisters. Let's live for God's glory.